Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. I hope everyone's doing good this week. I'm doing okay. Had a rough week, but uh, we're here. We're here for the podcast episode. Uh, this is the podcast about video game news, occurrences, first impressions, and my own opinions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, uh, I do have a special guest on for the first part of this show, which is... How about that gaming presentation? Alright, and for this first section of the podcast, I have a special guest on. Uh, He hails from the blue, Abadidabadai. And he is just callous. But don't call him just callous. Only call him just callous. Callous? Callous? How you doing? I'm blue. Double D, double die. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) I am fantastic. I'm glad to have you on the podcast again. um, Because if, if we know one thing, it's that callous loves, loves the color blue. And PlayStation, their main color is blue. All about blue. Yeah. Yeah, usually have me on here for like the Nintendo uh, showcases, but I think this is the first PlayStation one we're gonna do together, right? That's right. Uh, because if you don't know, Cal is also a big Nintendo guy too. Uh, so you know, when when it comes to PlayStation things, you know, he doesn't even have a PlayStation One. So <laughs> <laughs> I jest. So if you didn't know, there was a state of play that happened this past week. Um, we'll go over our final thoughts of it, but for right now, just know this was probably one of the better, if not the best, state of play that Sony has put out yet. Um, it, it started with a bang, and it ended with something that a lot of people were really excited about. A little bit of, a little bit of controversy in there, I suppose, that we'll talk about later. But, Callus, overall thought, uh, just to get us started. Um, I do agree with you. Is this um, probably like the the best state of play yet? And I do believe there is like still room for improvement i think they can still like continue to push it to bring it to higher heights but so far yeah this one was uh, really really good really fun yeah if only god of war ragnarok has shown up i think then then it would push it over the edge but <laughs> we're probably getting it, it's probably getting its own state of play like they did for horizon and ghostwire tokyo probably so as i stated they started this off with a bang and something that a lot of people weren't really expecting and that was resident evil 4 remake um this was shown off a little bit uh, during the state of play and you know it started off and you're like oh is this the last of us is this days gone for whatever reason no it was resident evil 4 (laughs) as soon as the soundtrack started playing i was like oh wow they're they're starting off with this um so they've slated the release for the 24th of march next year um, and there is also content in development for the PSVR 2. And if you don't know from past episodes of Ferris City 4, the Oculus version of Resident Evil 4 is actually really, really fun. Um, so I can only expect that the uh, the VR version of Resident Evil 4 is going to be on the same level. 
Um, who knows how much they're actually going to change the game. Uh, it, it, I mean, they are calling this a remake, so it's not like just a simple retexturing. Um, what do you what what do you think what 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 do you what are you expecting in this remake of the original game? I mean, the original game was like already so big. Like with the remake of two and three, they did kind of um, keep it mostly the same, but they expanded it just a bit and you know made it a lot more modern. I'm just expecting the same for this one because yeah, this was already such a huge game. I don't really see them adding that much new to it, except for you know just you know where it counts the gameplay, the the graphics. Just everything, just overhauled from the ground up, but still keeping it the same games. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I mean, you can already tell from just the little snippets of trailer footage. I mean, the the lighting effects and the graphics, I mean, they're on par with something like Resident Evil 8 or 7, um, or even better, actually, because Resident Evil 2, I think, even looks better than, like, Resident Evil 7, but that's really? besides the point. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that they're going to take out the quick time events. That's what I was expecting. Oh. Um, like the parts where you're like running away from the boulder or um, you're doing whatever with the quick time events. I feel like they're going to take those out because that's not really been a staple of the Resident Evil franchise since like Resident Evil 6. So that's what I'm expecting them to just kind of like re- retool. Maybe they're just going to make it into a cutscene or make it a little bit more bombastic or I mean, even have player input in there, but not like forced player input. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with uh, some of the boss battles. Yes, that'd be that. The, the, I'm 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 interested to see what they're going to do with that big fish in the lake. Uh, with yeah, the that's what I was thinking. Gun. Of too. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like they. I mean, they could make that just the same, but with the. Uh, I don't know, but then again, like you know, they've they've redone a lot of things with boss fights in the, in the uh, older games as well, like two and three. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. I mean, and like I said, they they're making a VR version, which. Uh, could enhance the game or could, uh, I don't know, <laughs> could also not. <laughs> and then right after this, they announced that Resident Evil 8, it's not getting DLC, but there is going to be a VR2 uh, version of Resident Evil Village coming out, uh, which, I mean, I don't know about you, Callus, but uh, uh, the first thing I'm doing is giving Lady Demiscu a big old hug. <laughs> yes. I'm sure you're very excited for that, seeing as how... I mean, you're a pretty big fan of uh, Resident Evil 8, right? Yes, uh, like, I've, I've played I've played through that game... I played through 8 the most uh, out of any game last year. Um, and it was also just like, I, you know... Like I, like I usually say to people who maybe aren't fans of Resident Evil, it's like, you go through that first run-through of the game, and that's going to be the most challenging, and it's going to be the most, like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough ammo, I don't have enough this, I don't have enough of that. Spend your points wisely at the end of the game, though, and you can get the unlimited unlimited revolver, and you can just merc everything. <laughs> and that's where the fun really starts, is when you have, like, you know, in Resident Evil 5, you would get the RPG, and you could kill Wesker in one hit, or, you know, some of the big bad bosses at the end in one hit. And you're like, wow, this is so awesome, I love this. But the first playthrough of the game, you and your partner, you and your AI partner, you're really struggling to get through it, because it's like, oh my god, ammo is scarce, blah 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 blah. But once you know how the game works and you know everything that to you you know what to expect, that's in my opinion when the games really take take off to the next level. And with Resident Evil 8, I had that same experience where the first playthrough was very tense. It was very um it was a little bit difficult even on even on like a normal setting, you know, just kind of you know, trying to save up a grenade launcher for this or trying to, you know, conserve ammunition for that. Um, and then on my second playthrough, I knew where things were coming around and you can spend your points in the store on like unlimited ammo for your pistol or, you know, whatever, as long as you fully upgrade your weapons. 
Um, and I knew that was coming up, so I I focused on the Magnum, and that's, that's when the game. Thing about, uh, that's Evil when the game games. became great. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> that was the the beautiful thing about Resident Evil games is like all of them are just so um, replayable. Like there, that's why like some of the so many of them have like things that you unlock when you beat it. You know, like under this many hours because they're just. Even you don't even have to be good at speedrunning them, but they just become very fun to kind of speedrun, you know, at your own pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The speed and, and speedruns aren't really that difficult in Resident Evil games. Like I said, once you get those big bad weapons and you get like unlimited ammo for them, it's a piece of cake. You can get anyone can get through it at that point. Um, but that's part of the fun, you know. You t- you take something that was originally scary and like made you really nervous. And you just go, oh, I have an unlimited grenade launcher now, so bye-bye <laughs> to every single enemy in the game. Um, I, I will say this, on the hardest difficulty, which is Village of Shadows difficulty, they actually changed things up, which I talked about in the podcast before. They actually changed things up, and it was actually, uh, once again, a little bit of a challenge, even though I had the unlimited ammo stuff. So props to them for keeping things kind of balanced at the end there. Um, <laughs> but this is a big roundabout way of saying... Resident Evil Village coming to PSVR 2. Very excited for that. And it's also going to take advantage of the dual of the of the sense controllers that are going to come with the VR 2. Nice. Which means we'll probably get adaptive trigger support, maybe uh, rumble and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right after that, uh, they showed that uh, No Man's Sky was coming to VR 2 as well. They had like this little VR 2 kind of like um, stint during the presentation as you and me and everyone else knows uh, No Man's Sky has done a complete 180 uh, since its initial release um, and VR is just another thing that they're adding to the game that might make it even more playable <laughs> so this is the first time that they've ever announced that uh, No Man's Sky is uh, doing VR? From what I know I mean I don't remember seeing it in VR before that should be exciting. Yeah, I think um, you know that that changes up the game a little bit. You know, adds maybe a little bit more fun to the sci-fi factor of you know actually piloting your spaceship with your hands mm-hmm. and shooting your gun at enemies and stuff like that. And they've done enough uh, updates to this game to make it uh, worth to go back to. Now, uh, me personally, I'm probably not going to go back to it because I'm not a huge fan of games like this. That's you know, it's a lot of you know mining and and inventory management and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not really my thing, but I am happy that they've turned the game around enough that people, it's it's now in people's good graces, and that's always nice to see. I am scared to play this game because I know that I'll, I'll probably just, it is kind of my type of game, so I would probably sink, like, hundreds of hours into this, so... <laughs> well, Cal, you might like, not want... Excited. You might not want me to say, but it is coming to PS5. There's going to be a PS5 version <laughs> of the game. Um, mm. so you, you, and oh, let, I, mean, I, would, I can already play it on game pass though. So that's true. That's true. Well, maybe it'll come to P- PlayStation plus. We'll see. <laughs> All right. After that, they showed, uh, the walking dead saints and sinners, which is the sequel to the original walking dead, um, VR game. Uh, I never played that one myself. I did watch some people play it. It looks fine. Um, obviously with this game being on the PSVR 2, and I'm sure it's coming to like Oculus because the original one is on there too. Um, it does look a little bit better. looks like it plays a little bit better. Um, they didn't really say anything like specific about like, oh, now with the DualSense controllers, you're going to be doing this or that. They just kind of showed off uh, some of the new like 
I don't, I don't even know if they're new mechanics because I never played the first one, but they got like flares and UV lights and stuff in there. So, you know, it's it's a zombie game um, and you don't really see too many of these nowadays. So it's nice to see a, a zombie game that at least is competent, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then directly after that, we got Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is the, I think that was the final VR game they showed off, but this is a pretty big one. I mean, it's being developed in-house by PlayStation specifically for the launch of the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, so you know that it's going to be, you know, it's. I mean, graphically it looks good from the trailer, and you know that it's going to be a solid experience, especially because it's coming from PlayStation's first party. Um, Kalos, any yes. interest in, in this one? I definitely am interested. I still have to play uh, Forbidden West, and I still need to finish the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I lost the save file when I was like halfway through the first one, so I was very oh, upset about that. that. That stinks. Yeah, but um, this trailer ended with like one of these giant robots stepping on your face, like, and I imagine that in VR. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, did they did they show like a, for the Resident Evil Eight VR trailer? Did Lady D like step on your face also? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe that was in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they should. I I think the game is going to be a little bit straightforward, only because it is a, a VR game and. Um... I think that is going to be kind of like a. It's not going to be like open. It's not going to be open world. I don't think, but you will have like a three D space to roam around in with your joysticks and stuff like that. Right. Um, and it seems like you really will have pretty much a bow and arrow to deal with enemies. They didn't show anything, like you know, in, in Forbidden West, you have like a javelin, you have like a rope, you know, the rope launcher, you have grenades and stuff like that that come out of a slingshot. In the trailer, they only showed the bow, and so I'm guessing the bow is going to be the one thing that they that you use in the game the most hmm. it does seem like you'll have a, a like a limited inventory and like a more linear gameplay but you know it's for a vr experience i think it's, it should work out yeah i think it looks good for what it is and i am excited to see more about it and if i end up getting my hands on a psvr2 i'll let you guys know how it is do tell and also, right after that, they announced that the big update for her Forbidden West is coming. Uh, they, they actually called it a major update. And this added a new performance mode, uh, which helps with graphical fidelity. Uh, they introduced the um, transmog, which is you can switch how your outfit looks without the stats being changed around. You can also respec your abilities and skills and stuff like that if you want to change around how your character works. There is new, there's the new Ultra Hard difficulty, which I believe is unlocked from the get-go, along with a New Game Plus system, which I'm surprised wasn't in the game originally, in my opinion. Um, and then they also showed that there's going to be new weapons and trophies being added to the game as well. Um, so I guess uh, I guess it might be a good thing that you waited to, to play the game, Callus, because now there's new content in there. Yeah, it'll work out for me when, whenever I do get around to getting it. <laughs> so I can't wait. Yeah, my story with Forbidden West is I was really enjoying it, and then there was just so much dialogue. And then, yes, Elden Ring came along, and that was like a lot of gameplay with with, with less story elements in it. Mm. And uh, see, the, the thing about the original Horizon and this game, I love them both, don't get me wrong, but there is just so much dialogue and so much like, well, let me tell you about the story of this yeah. area. And you're like, uh, skip, skip, skip. And I don't like skipping dialogue, especially on my first playthrough of a game. But when mm. it's just repeated over and over again, like you ask them a question, they kind of just re-say re like part of their conversation. It's like, okay, come on now. 
Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that is exciting for Horizon Forbidden West, especially for people who haven't played it yet. You got a little bit of extra content in there, New Game Plus for if you want to do New Game Plus, and um, also a new performance mode, which should make the game look a little bit better. Sounds great. And I kind of forget what happened after that, but we're going to go into Spider-Man coming to the PC. And this is not just the original Spider-Man game, but also the Miles Morales game is coming to PC as well, which they did not mention during the show, but was mentioned after the fact on their blog, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, this obviously is going to open the door for a lot of modding to the game, so I- I'm-, I'm looking forward to that naked character pack, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, they're already, like, almost there with some of the skins you get to play as. <laughs> that, is, that is true. <laughs> um, but I think I, th- I think I might pick this up for PC, not only because I haven't played the game since the old Peter Parker was in it, um, mm. but I mean, just with the I mean, I've never really wanted to mod a game, but with with games like this, where it's like there's so many costumes that are kind of left out of the game that I think would be cool, like a Venom costume, you know, people right. can do that. You know, people can people can put that stuff into the game and uh, if it's on steam it's it's super easy to kind of just install a mod pack and it just kind of works you know is this like out of all the playstation titles that you that they could have announced for pc are you kind of surprised or expected that it was spider-man uh i mean <clears throat> i wasn't surprised per se i was happy that the game's coming to pc because i think spider-man is a genuinely overall loved character that you know oh you have to have a playstation to play this game well now people can't complain about that right. um i was hoping for like bloodborne to come to pc only because playstation has kind of forgotten so- about that you know yeah. and there hasn't been like a ps5 version or anything for that so it's like okay maybe this should have been filled with bloodborne because from soft is so big right now with elden ring but i am happy that the spider-man games are coming to pc because like i said whole new group of people can play them without that stigma of, oh, you have to have a PlayStation. And then also the modding community is going to do a lot of things with this game, you can tell from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, do, do you have any thoughts about the PC port? Are you going to be playing it, or...? No, I don't really play that many games on PC, honestly. I, I'm more of a console player. But, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm just interested in seeing, like, the... Uh, I do like seeing like the graphical upgrades that the PC brings. Like even just watching um, Elden Ring gameplay on the PC, I was like, "Wow, it actually looks even better than the PS5 version." So yeah, <laughs> and don't forget all those mods, having Shrek be uh, in the game and stuff like that. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of fun stuff there. And I forgot to mention, this is going to be the remastered version of the complete game, so you will get all the DLC along with the base game as well. So you're not going to miss out on any of the story prior to spider-man 2 coming out which uh, i think is a few years away at this point yeah probably well there you go yeah callus i know you like dags but what about cats (laughs) i do like cats as much as dags (laughs) (laughs) uh we got some more stray gameplay from the state of play which is a game that i've been as you might know have been kind of excited about for a little while now uh it's the game where he plays like an orange tabby cat in a world inhabited by androids robots um and they seem to be kind of afraid of organic life uh especially later on you see that the cat is being chased by some sort of flood halo flood type enemy Mm. um but i mean this game is very 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 interesting and um 
they they actually uh, did a release date for the game. Uh, it's coming out July nineteenth, so it's actually sooner than I thought it would be, which I'm really happy for. I'm really interested I'm to so dig excited. my fangs into this one. <laughs> Your paws. Mm, yes. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. This game looks like it's gonna be. It's gonna have like some platforming, a lots of exploration, which I love, and uh, you know, simple like questing and puzzle solving also, and. Yeah, I am super excited for this. Can't believe it's uh, right around the corner. Yeah, it looks. I mean, there's also like a little bit of horror element in there and sneak sneaking as well. Um, so you could say this is kind of like a, a Metal Gear Solid with a cat. Metal Metal Cat Solid. <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is. I mean, I've talked enough about this game in the past. I think that's going to be a really interesting and unique game, a unique spin on uh, the stealth action genre. Um, and also just looks interesting in general. I mean, I mean, I'm just really interested in, in, in learning about this world that they've created. You know, why are all the humans gone? What are these flood type creatures? Why is this like the only cat in existence now? You know, like that, that's the most interesting thing to me. All right. Uh, after that, I believe they showed that, uh, roller drum, which is like a, Callus, what was your name for Roller Jerome? Oh, I said it was Tony Hawk's Murderous Skater. <laughs> and Tony... I know it's like they're on rollerblades, not actually like uh, skates, but same thing. It has kind of a similar quality. Uh, I was calling it Tony Hawk's Pro Shooter. Um, essentially, this game is you, you play uh, this character who is on rollerblades, and you go inside these like arenas, and it has like a it does seem to have like a move system like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where you're doing like ollies and and flips and tricks and stuff like that with rollerblades. But you also have guns and you're shooting, I don't know if they're like mercenaries or opponents or whatever they're going to be. Um, and you're shooting them with these tricks and you're trying to get the most points you can. There wasn't a lot shown off about it, but there was enough shown off for me to be like, yeah, that's something that I'm definitely interested in. The, 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 the graphical style alone also draws you in as well. It's got like that shell shaded comic book art style to it. Did you just say shell shaded? Shell shaded. Cell shaded. <laughs> yeah, it does look really fun. Um, and it also has like when you're like up in the air shooting people, aiming at people, it has, it has like bullet time, which looks yeah. like, really fun. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it was from the makers of Ali Ali World. Yes, that's also um, one of my favorite games this year so far as Ali Ali World. So I'm hoping that uh, this game is also uh, another smash hit from them. I guess you could, I mean, could you also compare this like Jet Set Gemini, I suppose, simply because that game was also oh. one where you're on rollerblades yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought of when I was looking at the trailer. I mean, especially in the graphical style. But, I mean, gameplay is completely different, though. That's true. That is true. You're not shooting people in that game. You're just running away from the police. <laughs> you're shooting uh, cans of spray, paint spray, spray, spray cans? What is what are they called? <laughs> uh, spray paint. Yes, Kansas spray paint. <laughs> All right, we're one for one on on grammatical errors today. <laughs> and this is going to be coming on August sixteenth. And you know, as usual, if you want to check out any of the trailers of the games that we're talking about, they're all on PlayStation's channel, or just watch the entire state of play in order because that is also a fun time as well. All right, after that, um, I believe it was Street Fighter Six. Yes. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't remember. Well, we'll talk about Street Fighter Six now. Um, so 
if if you know Street Fighter, you know that the game has taken a bit of a change graphically and stylistic wise for Street Fighter Six. Callus, um, have you played the other Street Fighters, and how does this one compare to those just from what you've seen in the trailer? The last one I sunk a ton of time into was uh, Street Fighter Four, which was a lot more uh, like cel shaded style. And this one, yeah, just uh, goes completely different. But I'm actually kind of am digging the the style of this one. They they do still kind of do the uh, the black outlines when you do certain moves, like in uh, Street Fighter Four, which you know I'm glad they're bringing it back because that look that looks really cool. Yeah, it seems like they 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 kept uh, some of the art style the same, but the biggest difference is that the characters are much more human like now. Um, you know, in, in Street Fighter Five, and I think Four, and probably other ones too. You know, the hands and the feet were huge on the characters, yeah. and they're a little bit weird proportional-wise. Whereas now, you know, when you look at Ryu, he's kind of got normal proportions for a, for a guy of his size, of his build. You know, uh, ch- um, um, what's her name? Chun, Chun-Li? Uh, she, yeah, she, you know, yeah, she's Chun-Li still... looks so much... looks a lot thinner now. Yeah, she's still got the thunder thighs, don't get me wrong. Like She can, <laughs> she can still squash a watermelon between those things. But, um, you know, th- I think they just kind of made them more human um and i think that also plays into the fact that there is a new mode for this game which is kind of like an open world uh portion of the game where you're just kind of like building up your character it seems and uh you're doing like random fights and stuff to go up in the street fighter world and i'm guessing the final the final of that is going to be like facing ryu or something like that yeah it does look very interesting it's like for so many years, they've been just focusing on the fighter part, but not the street part. And now they're finally bringing the street to Street Fighter. <laughs> hey, there you go. I couldn't have said that better myself, Callus. <laughs> Thank you. So this game is still aiming for a 2023 release date. Another thing that I should mention is they have retooled the logo a little bit. Instead of it being those like generic, kind of like PUBG-style blocks with the letters oh, inside. Hexagon. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's more of like one side is a shape representing representing Street Fighter, and the other side is Roman numeral five, which I think looks stylistically a little a little bit better. Not amazing, still, but with the new art style being kind of like the street punk, you know, spray paint kind of style, um, I think it does it does um, fit with that well. Don't you mean uh, six Roman numeral six? <laughs> Did I not say? Did I not say that? Oh, you said five. <laughs> well, yeah, six. It's a six. It's for Street Fighter Six. <laughs> All right, I. You know what? We missed the game in here, and I would like to bring this to the forefront: the Callisto Protocol. Oh, of course. We uh, this talk is about this. this is the game that um, was originally supposed to be like a PUBG, like origin story or something like that. But it got completely retooled to be um, a Dead Space style kind of game uh, being directed by the Dead Space guy. Um, This is supposed to come out the 2nd of December 2022. And from what we've seen from the trailer and this trailer, um, I'm completely sold on it. I know there's some people complaining, oh, the monster designs aren't as unique as I was hoping. But in all honesty, I think it looks really good. The monsters look pretty terrifying. The gore factor is definitely high up there. Um, I, I mean, this is pretty much just gonna. This is pretty much gonna be next gen Dead Space before the Dead Space remaster comes out. <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at the trailer, it just it it felt so much like Dead Space to me. And um, I mean, we haven't really seen still that much of it, so 
uh, we could still be surprised by some other monster designs. So I'm hoping that you know it does live up to expectations. They had a really fun montage of character deaths in the game, and that was just so reminiscent of something like Dead Space, where you know he's being bitten in the face, or something's attaching to his body, or like slamming its hands hands through the, his head. Um, and like I said, the gore factor is way up there. So when you when you stomp on a guy, his head explodes, or when someone's being beaten with a pipe, you know their head cracks open, or you know blood splatters when you throw them into something. Um, I think they did a really good job uh, with just like the. I, I I personally think that did, I think that the monster designs are actually pretty cool, um, and it's going to be interesting kind of going into this game with the knowledge of you know Dead Space remake coming out soon. You know, uh, are they going to be two very similar games, or are they going to be two completely different games? I think that's gonna gonna be really interesting to see once Dead Space comes out. We'll see. It'll be exciting. It's exciting times. All right. Now, uh, duh, 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 duh. Tunic is coming to the PlayStation. Uh, if you haven't played Tunic yet, it's like a um, I call it a Zelda Zelda Souls. Um, there's obviously a plenty of different comparisons you could make, but after playing, uh, the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening remaster, I kind of compare it to that because that's like the, the most recent thing that I've played that is in this style where you play as a character with a shield and a sword and you're going around these areas. It's got a little bit of souls like qualities to it because when you die, you lose money and you have to respawn at a checkpoint and you have to activate the checkpoints and et cetera, et cetera. Um, very fun, well-crafted game, very beautiful art style. If you haven't played Tunic yet, I think it's one that um, if you're a fan of Souls games or just a fan of like adventure games in the same vein as like something like Zelda, uh, I think it's definitely one that you should check out. I do have it downloaded and ready to go. I am excited to jump into it. Are you going to stream it? I was thinking about it, yeah. Maybe I, think, I will. I think that'd be pretty fun. You got it. Doing it. <laughs> I, I challenge you after you beat the game to do a stick only playthrough and you'll understand why I say that. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm up for a challenge. <laughs> all right. So, like challenges. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. What, what's the challenge you do on Link's Awakening? The three heart challenge or something? Yep. Three hearts only. Yep. Three Which hearts I'm glad only? you can do it in the remake because you cannot do that in the, uh, in the original. You have to Ooh. like collect the hearts for the door to open up. So I was sad that you can't do the three heart challenge in the original. Ah, Okay. So there is something that the remake does better, huh? <laughs> One thing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, after Tunic, they sh they uh, showed a game called Season: A Letter to the Future. Um, it had like a interesting, another like cell shaded graphical art style. Um, it looks like you play as a uh, some sort of artiste who has plenty of different passions, including recording sounds to make music, uh, painting, writing, etc. Um, there, I mean, they, I mean, look, I, I don't know exactly what this game is completely about, uh, but it seems to be kind of like this big indie adventure where you just kind of like take in the sights and you go through the game and, and make art. I think that's what it seems like to me. I'm going to be honest. I kind of spaced out when they were showing this trailer, so I have no idea what this is. <laughs> you know, when, when that, when that quiet, you know, music comes on, you kind of get put into a little bit of a trance. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, just know that the game's coming in autumn 2022, and if you want to rewatch that trailer, like I said before, it's on PlayStation's YouTube channel. All right, am I missing anything before we get to the last big news, Callus? 
let's see. I um, oh yeah, Eternites. We can talk about Eternites real quick. Eternites. So this is the um, dating simulator slash hack and slash <laughs> uh, game. <laughs> it, it seems like you get your arm chopped off, and then you have like a magical as like sword attached to it, hand sword attached to it. Um, and it yeah. looks like you bring your waifus into the game with you to kind of like how a uh, boyfriend dungeon dungeon did it last year to maybe raise your uh, relationship status with them by bringing them in and fighting alongside you. Uh, graphically kind of reminded me of like persona in a, in a few ways, not as, not as stylistic, but kind of similar. Um, a lot of lighting effects in there. Idea. What was that? Yes, yeah, very. It is very persona like. Yeah, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, is this persona from that first like anime intro that they did with the blood and the arm being cut off?" <laughs> um, but it is it is something very different, I, I would assume. Um, and I don't remember. Did they did they have a release date for that? I don't remember. Um, early twenty twenty three is the only thing they said. All right. So yeah, if you're a fan of dating sims and you want to date. Anime waifus in a post-apocalyptic future, while also hacking and slashing with a some sort of weird hand thing. This is the <laughs> game for you. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> All right, the final piece that we got from the state of play, which was the um, icing on the cake for a lot of people, uh, was Final Fantasy 16. Got a big trailer at the end, and they yes. revealed that it's coming next year in summer. Yeah. Callus, take it away. <laughs> well, as many of you know, uh, the Final Fantasy games have not really been, like, super high quality recently. Like, I remember a time when whenever a Final Fantasy game drops, it was, like, a huge deal. Like, it seems like the, almost the whole world stopped for a Final Fantasy release, and it's just not the case anymore. But I'm hoping this game will finally turn things around. It seems like they are going, you know, back to more of a fantasy heavy focus instead of you know just being like you know having modern cars and technology and all this other stuff so i'm really happy that they're bringing it back to the fantasy mm -hmm. and everything just looks uh such a like an epic scale with uh the summons are gonna be this completely different it seems like where you're gonna be able to just take full control of them and just do like a summon against summon fight and then it's cool how they have like the the bars on the top, sort of like a fighting game, like the health bars. Yeah, I noticed that. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Does this get you any interested at all in this uh, in Final Fantasy? The one thing that always got me interested into Final Fantasy games in general was the cutscenes. Like, there's they showed like the you know people getting killed with axes and stuff for a second, and they showed like some of like some like medieval fighting. And then when you actually mm -hmm. see the game, it's a lot of that like. Oh, I'm gonna use my ice crystals to th shoot into this giant golem, and I'm like, it's very like Final Fantasy VII remake style. Yeah, it it does look like that. Um, that's 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 the only thing that kind of like bars me from entrance to a lot of these games. Is like they show the, these really cool scenes, and then you don't actually do like any fighting from those scenes. You you're fighting like a giant dog dragon with whiskers you know and, and it's like what well where where does the where the sword fighting and the axes and stuff go you know what where's that all at um personally i mean look personally I, I you know i i i've been one to like uh kind of obscure games and you know final fantasy origins the stranger of paradise game 
is kind of like completely different from anything else that Final Fantasy has done, if I yeah. am not mistaken. Yeah, so I've kind of like latched onto that. So trying to go back to a game like this that's more Final Fantasy VII Remake, even though I didn't completely dislike the gameplay style, um, it's gonna, it, it might be a little bit difficult for me. I'm not going to lie. I just wish they would one day come back to like, you know, turn-based style gameplay for these big titles. Because, um, I mean, Square Enix still does a lot of turn-based stuff, but it seems like it they only do it for like their, their pixel games, you know, like their indie efforts and not, not for like their AAA titles. Yeah, and that's one of the kind of like controversies I was talking about before where people are like, they, you know, there's there's kind of like a big divide in the, I guess, the Final Fantasy community right now where a lot of people want that turn-based stuff back, um, but they're just getting these action games. And the people who like the action games, they're getting more action games and they're really excited about another action game. Yeah. <laughs> so, will we ever see Final Fantasy return to turn-based? I would, I would say yes. I, I feel like there will be a time when Final Fantasy returns to that. Um, just because, I don't know, it's, it seems like they're constantly doing different gameplay styles for each game. So you, you, you would think that they would go back to a turn-based style eventually, if not for maybe like another Stranger Paradise type game where it's kind of like adjacent to the Final Fantasy universe. Hmm. Yeah, I do see them doing like uh, maybe um, like a spin-off Final Fantasy where it is like just AAA quality production, but also turn-based. So yeah. All right. I don't think we missed anything. Let me double check. Let me double check just in case, because, you know, there's going to be one person who's like, you missed this. <laughs> um, I think that was it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I do think that we got we covered everything. Um, Callus, thank you so much for joining me for this section of the podcast. Really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun, as always. Where can people find you if they want to see your sweet blue cheeks? <laughs> you can find me at Just Callus on pretty much all the socials, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, at, yep, yeah, at Just Callus. Just Callus. All right. Well, thank you once again, Callus. Um, I'm going to move on to the rest of the podcast, but I appreciate you coming on for this section to talk state of play. Anytime. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you once again to Callus, just Callus, for tuning in, or not tuning in, <laughs> for being on the show. I do appreciate that. If you want to check out Callus, once again, twitch.tv slash just Callus, but don't call him just Callus, call him just Callus. All right, let's 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 see here. So uh, the games I've been playing this past week, and uh, I've, had a good, uh, I've had a good amount of uh, variety in my gaming week. The first game I want to talk about is Card Shark, which, of course, came out this past week on PC and Switch. I do not believe that it's on other consoles yet, but I could be wrong about that, so don't quote me on that. Um, but uh, Card Shark is a game where essentially you cheat at cards. You try and swindle people out of their money. It starts off basic with just like, you know, all you got to do is wipe the table a certain way to tell the one guy what suit, you know, is the highest card in the person's um, in the person's hand. So essentially what you do is you pour wine to their glass. You see their, their you see their hand by peeking over their shoulder. And then, yeah, you you, um, you know, you wipe the table as to what the, the suit of the card is. So heart, club, spade or 
uh, diamond. And that's how it starts you off like that, you know. And it's really interesting because when you go into this game, you don't expect the depth in the game, right? When I was talking about this game when it was originally announced or whenever I was talking about it before, I was like, oh, you're not going to have to learn the games they're playing. And I was right about that. You don't have to learn the games they're playing. But there are like 28-some card tricks that you can end up learning by the end of the game, which is a lot of information, one. Two, it's a lot of different techniques. So in a, in a way, you know, Card Shark is kind of showing you how magicians do things too, you know? So it's a it's calling out, you know, Penn and Teller who, you know? <laughs> but it's really, it's just, it's a really, really interesting game. And you're not expecting the game to have an in-depth story or something like that, but it really does. I mean, this game does deliver on the two key aspects of gaming that I love, and that is the really great story and really great gameplay or, or whatever gimmick or <laughs> well, just gameplay in general. This game does have that gimmick of you're playing cards and you're cheating. Essentially that that's it. Now there are some publications that have, um, kind of compared it to WarioWare, which I kind of see why, because you know, there's, you know, button inputs, uh, doing things the right way, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's it's not like it's not like WarioWare where it's like a couple seconds and then you move on to the next game, right? You do have uh, usually each round is there's like three rounds and they get progressively harder because the person's getting more suspicious of you and um, you need to do the tricks faster. Uh, so there's sometimes where yeah you're you're kind of skating through with uh, with the person almost calling you out for cheating, right? But that adds to the intensity of it. And like I said, they kind of start just slow and then you kind of can get into it. So. It's not like they're throwing a lot of information at you and telling you, go, you know, like WarioWare. It's like, ah, you know, plug the nose, and you got to figure out the plug the nose, right? I am really, really enjoying this game. I'm, I'm very enthralled by the world and um, the characters and just everything that's going on. I mean, like I said, there is a plot, an overall plot to the game that I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting there to be like this big overarching story with character deaths and weird motivations and stuff like that. I just thought, oh, we're gonna play some card games. You know, you have to learn how to play poker and then cheat at poker. No, it's it's not anything like that at all in that aspect. But the but the story excuse me, is actually really, really top-notch. Um, and I don't want to get into it too much because it is spoilers from the get-go, but just to kind of lay out the first scene of the game is you you are working at this, I don't know, you would call a pub or something like that. You're a mute, and of course we're in France, and, you know, the, the, the guy who eventually takes you under his wing comes in there he's doing his gambling thing he calls you over teaches you how to do the look over the shoulder trick while pouring wine and then midway through the game uh he gets caught you get caught whoever gets caught and there's like this big brawl and the person who owns the pub gets shot and everyone runs away and then you would get taken under the wing by this guy so it's not like a really it's not like a straightforward story either which is really another thing that really i like about this game i love about this game I like the graphical style too. I think the graphics in the game look really good. Um, I like I like how it's kind of like um, 
I don't really know how to explain it. It's kind of like a like watercolors and 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 stuff like that. So it's a very pleasant art style to the game, and I think the gameplay is is one of those things that also is is really top notch in here. I mean, even though it's relatively simple, um, there is a lot of like memory involved and also just kind of like doing the tricks correctly. There have there ha there was like one trick that wasn't explained well enough to me, um, and I don't know if that's just me being stupid or what, but uh, there was a, there was a trick where you had to shuffle the deck a certain way, and it was different from the way that we did it before. So it's hard to explain, but essentially, you in order to uh, trick the person into thinking that you're shuffling the deck, but you're not actually shuffling the deck, um, you essentially hold cards. And then you lay a card a little bit ajar so that you know where the cards are, and then you shuffle behind that, right? But there was kind of it was kind of weird because the order the people changed, and I was like, I'm not sure what to do. I eventually figured it out, but you know, it's one of those things that wasn't explained well enough, I would say, um, because you had to do something different that I wasn't uh, ready to do yet, or maybe wasn't I uh, wasn't understanding yet. But there's only been one trick so far like that, you know. It's only been one trick. Um, so it's not like, uh, it's not like there's a huge, big glaring problem with the game. I think everything else is explained really, really well. Um, they go through each phase of the trick step by step. And like I said, you don't have to learn how to play poker or whatever game that the people in France were playing in the, what, 1700, 1800? I'm not, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's one of those games that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's a really unique concept. I haven't really seen a game like this before, and as you may or may not know, that is the types of games that get on my top 10 list for the year. These games that really make me think or really enthrall me, and, and I am 100% into uh, this game right now. So if you are planning on being in that competition, you might want to put an asterisk or a star uh, next to Card Shark, because I think it's going to be uh, uh, on my list for sure. Um, which makes me, you know, we are about halfway through the year now. It is June. So I think I might start planning um, the Ferret Awards now. And maybe I'll put out a post uh, with some basic ideas of some games that are going to be on different categories, right? Um, so maybe uh, check out the Discord uh, if you want to uh, participate in that this year. Of course, the voting will start in December. So there is a little bit of ways off from that, but you know there has already been a, a real big handful of games that have come out this year that have been really really good. Uh, so you know getting those lists in order early um, and then adding on to them as as it goes on, uh, it's probably going to be a, a good idea. Uh, but as of right now, um, Card Shark really really fun, really enjoying it. Um, I, I, I just, yeah, I would, I would recommend it. And there is a demo. There is a demo if you want to play it. I think it's like the first like hour or so of gameplay that kind of goes through like the basics. Um, right now I'm on the tail end of chapter two. I'm almost, actually, no, I did go into chapter three. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in chapter three right now and things are getting more intense, a little bit more difficult, but uh, the, the difficulty has ramped up steadily, not sharply. So that's also another good thing about the game. So yeah, if you want to check that out, Card Shark, really fun, really well done game, and it's by an indie developer, so I always recommend supporting indie developers, so if you want to check it out, make sure you do. Like I said, there is a demo available. Another game that I played this uh, past week was Silt, and this is a game that I recently found out about because of the Indie World Direct, 
And just as the trailer in the direct showed, it's pretty much like a limbo, but you're underwater. If you don't remember what limbo is, it's the 2D platformer game where you play as this little boy going through limbo trying to find his lost sister. So in Silt, it's kind of similar in art style. It's a, it's a lot different in story, uh, obviously. Uh, but the art style is a lot of black, gray, you know, white colors. Um, the gameplay is very simple, just like in Limbo. You pretty much only have a couple moves, uh, at least to start out. I don't know later on. Of course, I haven't gotten that far yet. But yeah, but but yeah, I mean, as, as the trailer showed in the Indie Direct, you pretty much you you take control of various aquatic creatures, and you use them to get through areas. So one of the first things you do is you take control of like a piranha type or an anglerfish, and you bite through the chain. Now, what I did stupidly is I was like, I just want to see. And I went, I, went, I went ahead and I ate myself. And yes, you can do that, so be careful. <laughs> um, but most animals who uh, you can possess don't seem to attack you. Um, but there are some bigger... Uh, there's always a bigger fish. That's one of the one of the standout lines from Star Wars Episode One. There's always a bigger fish, and in this game, there definitely is always a bigger fish. And there's um there's a bigger and bigger um, challenge to face as you go through. And I'm not that far in it, and I've already kind of come across some some larger than life challenges. But I mean, I, you know, that that makes it sound a little bit too difficult. It's not really difficult in in a way. It's just a lot of timing. Just like Limbo and Inside and any of those other games that kind of have the same similar genre, um, there are like ways to get around it. You just got to figure that out. So sometimes it might take you one or two deaths in order to figure out, oh, I need to swim here and then do this, you know. Um, so it, it is a very much akin to, uh, you know, something like Inside. Um, and not only graphically, but yeah, a lot of the gameplay is, is, is swim around, possess a fish, do a puzzle move on you know sometimes it's difficult to see where you need to go though um i think i had the same problem with a game that i reviewed a couple years ago you were like in a submarine and there it was a really like like hand-drawn old school art style um but essentially what happens in silt is you get to an area and there's really no clear exit or entrance right so you're kind of like swimming around you're kind of bumping into the walls um, because it's not always clear where you need to go, you know. So that is one thing that has been kind of pulling me back away from the experience a little bit. Um, even though the game still, I mean, it, it look, I mean, it looks great. It plays fine. Um, I just think that there needs to be more. I, I, maybe this was a stylistic choice, but I think personally there needs to be a little bit more direction on, you know, can I go through this area or can I not? Because sometimes there'll be a gap in the wall. But you can't go through there. But sometimes there won't be a gap in the wall, and you'll just swim to the corner, and you can go through there. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird. It is a little bit weird. But Silt, um, would I recommend it? I mean, if you like games like Inside and, and Limbo, yep, uh, you can definitely find some fun in here um, and some challenge as well. And if you like that art style, you like that kind of gameplay that's a little bit more simplistic, but dark uh then this is uh this is a good game for you so if you want to check it out silt it's available pretty much everywhere another game that i played and greedy waffles joined me 
Uh, we played through the first We Were Here game. And if you don't recall, a couple episodes ago, I was talking about We Were Here Forever. And you can definitely see how far the game has come since this first game. Now, the first game is free to play. So if you want to check it out, it's really simple. Just, you know, download it and play it with a friend or someone else. Um, it's just funny. It's funny just how far the game has come, how much more difficult the challenges have become to. We really did breeze through this game and it might have been because we were ready, you know, because we played, we were here forever, which was much more difficult and had a lot more in-depth uh, puzzles to it. Um, but this was, I mean, this, this game is a good attempt, you know, it's a, I mean, not, not an attempt, but it's a good starter, right? It's, it's the first game from the company or the, from the series. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of things they need to iron out later on, but it seems like for what it's worth, I mean, they did a great job with, with this original game and it might be why the, the series is as popular as it is now because it started on a good foot, you know, a good note. Um, there's not really a puzzle that stands out to me in my mind, and honestly, even though we played through the entire thing about a week ago, I just, I can't remember a single thing about, like, the specifics of it. Uh, I think the most interesting puzzle, which is the only one that I can really remember, um, there was one where there was, like, a stage, and the one person was being followed by this, like, creepy mannequin, and essentially what you had to do is you had the, the person who was being followed by the mannequin had to give the right, uh, put the, uh, had to give the other player the right pieces to put on the stage. So there was like, there was a couple of different cutouts that you would move into center stage and you would press a button and then the next act would play and you had to kind of keep going. And if you did it fast enough, then both players would escape. Um, so th there was also another part where like I was going up a spiral staircase and greedy waffles had to press, I think it was buttons in the right order or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> it, it, like I said, it, it was, a, it was kind of a forgettable experience only because the thing, like we was whizzed through it. Like the second puzzle in the game, if I remember correctly, the water was filling up in the area that I was in and all greedy waffles had to do was like turn a valve on a pipe in his next room and all the water receded. And that was the puzzle, right? Like just find the valve and press the button. Right. So that's why it's not really memorable. Is it worth playing? Sure. If, I mean, I would definitely recommend to play this before you go out and buy, we were here forever just to see if you like the style. Um, uh, but, uh, as of, I mean, as of right now, like would I fully recommend this game? I don't know. I mean, it, it was, it was fine for what it was, like I said, but, you know, we were here forever was just so much better of an experience. You know, you you you, you kind of look a little bit more down on the on the first game in the series. But like I said, I'm, I do want to give it a little bit of leeway because, you know, it is the first game from the series. So, you know, it's kind of like right down the middle. I think it's like a three out of ten, uh, not three out of ten, three out of five. Um, and I rated we were here forever like a four out of five. So, you know, there, there is a bit of a difference in quality, but still... It was still a, a fine experience. All right, we finished um, Paper Mario, Thousand, The Thousand Year Door. Um, this past, well, I, I guess it was a little bit ago because I think I forgot to talk about it last week, and I apologize to all the Paper Mario fans out there. Uh, let me be clear. I was very much enjoying this game up until the final boss fight, and I felt like the final boss fight was a little bit unfair in a lot of ways, which is, I guess, par for the course in a lot of these kind of games where you 
go through this big grand adventure leveling up yourself and trying to find the best strategies because essentially what i had to do for the final boss was get out of my comfort zone of what i was doing and just completely change up my tactics in order to beat it faster and you know and actually be able to beat it um because in the end like so there's the main boss and then he, they have two hands and they have all these different attacks that will either suck out suck health from you or um do various wrong things and so you had to kind of take out the hands and still damage the middle and essentially what i had to do is i had to use the multi bonk which is um you know just pressing a as many times as you can and trying to get the timing down as as much as you can of course it does cap you at like i don't know five six seven jumps maybe so you kind of had to do that to kind of get the most damage out of it. And then also there was a star power that I had never used in the in the game that allows you to buff your character and your partner, uh, both their power and defense, which was also another game changer that I had not tried doing before, which sounds a little bit dumb on my part. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I didn't really have to use that. The only boss fights I had trouble with were um, the final boss with uh, Grotus and Bowser, and then the final, final boss with um, with uh, d d uh, Evil Peach, you know? The rest of the game went by pretty smoothly, all things considered. Um, but, I mean, I, I really liked this game. I really, really did. Um, I think the final boss does kind of push it back a little bit, but... Everything else in the game is is very, 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 very fun. I mean, there's so many... Like, I after playing the Origami King, there's just so many unique characters in this game. Characters that... I mean, they're not just a bomb-bomb without a wick. They're not just a, you know, whatever without a whatever or with a whatever. It's not just Toad, but he's a captain. You know, it's not just Toad, but he's wearing archaeological you know, stuff, you know, and, and they call him Toad, not, not Captain Toad, like the one we know from the, from the, the, the 3D platformer game. No, no, no. It's just a Toad who's also a researcher, you know, this game actually had, you know, pirates. I mean, it had, it had various bomb bombs and, and different looking bomb bombs. It had so many different unique characters that I had not seen before. There were, there were tons of references to, to other games, there was plenty of characters to interact with. There was so much you could do with the fighting and the battling. There was all these badges you could get that give you new moves and buff you and, and stuff like that and your partners. I mean, I was really having a great time with the game, for real. I mean, I, I think that it, 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 it's just the right amount of length um, and it's just the right amount of silliness combined with of some more serious parts. Um, there was, there was this re like weird re re uh, reoccurring segment where, uh, Peach would be, um, I mean, there was like a computer that fell in love with Peach and like the computer could see her when she was like changing and stuff like that. And it was like, eh, it's a little creepy, you know, a little creepy, but I mean, Paper Mario, from what I know from these two games that I've played and others that I want to play, it's always kind of, you know, pushed the boundary of, of Nintendo family friendliness like on the surface is very family friendly with all these colorful characters and cartoony characters but it also has like a conquer's bad fur day vibe to it at times where you know characters will be talking about uh killing and there's like a noose in the town square and you know there's 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 
references to sex and stuff, you know? So it is a little bit more on the PG side of things as 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 compared to other games, especially in the same series. But you still kind of got some of that in, in the Origami King, which is nice. But yeah, the one thing that really bugged me about Origami King was just like the lack of any real characters in it, right? There was Mario and there was Luigi and there was, you know, Olivia and her brother, but they didn't really, they didn't have any lasting power because one, they're gone by the end of the game. And two, they just, I mean, it I don't know, the adventure just didn't seem as grand as the Thousand Year Door, which makes me really interested in playing the original Paper Mario um, because I've heard, so, I've heard a lot of good things about that for sure. Uh, and then there's also the Mario game that's on Wii that I th I think is is pretty uh, pretty well liked. Um, it's the one where you kind of like go into a video game essentially. So I would like to try out some other of these other Paper Mario games because um, right now I mean there's the Origami King was just kind of like m you know mediocre you know in the middle, and Thousand Year Door was like top notch one of the you know an S tier game. Not one of the best games I've ever played, but an S tier game for sure. So. You know, that frustration at the end and some of the weird things in the middle uh, did bring it down just just a little bit. I, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite games of all time. I would just say that's a, a very good game that I, that I think highly of. Um, and also, what helps is the music. The music is slapping. Like, the music is amazing in this game. As I said on the uh, Red Mage uh, podcast... Um, you know, I, I was thinking Mario Sunshine was going to be my favorite, was, was my favorite, but thinking about it a little bit more, yeah, I mean, uh, Mario, Th Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door, like, there's so many great songs on, on there, and, um, it's definitely worth a playthrough if you have the ability to, I'm, I, 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 I would hope that they would bring, like, at least the, the first party Nintendo games from each console in the past to, the Switch online service. I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't or couldn't, you know? I I could definitely see after the N64 stuff gets done and maybe they do Game Boy stuff that they they pull out the GameCube. Um, and, I mean, we'll see if they raise the price for that kind of stuff. I would hope not because you're already paying a good amount for um, a, lot of, a, a lot less than I would for something else, a different product. But... That being said, um, yeah, it's definitely a game that if you can, I would recommend trying out. I know there's emulators for them, of course, but I, I played on the original GameCube version. And very much a big thank you to um, my watchers for combining their funds to to get me the game. It was very nice of them, and I, I still appreciate that a lot. And the final game I want to talk about is called Ratchet Deadlocked. <clears throat> we beat this in one sitting. It was like a six-hour game. And... Okay, for what it's worth, it was fun. But for what it's not worth is the the game. Oh, it's just it's a very mundane one note game, right? You know, you think of a Ratchet and Clank game, and you think of all the different locations you'll go to, and all the various enemies you'll find, and all the really fun weapons you'll use, and you know, all the all the all the quirkiness and fun that comes with the platforming and the the the, the combination of Ratchet and Clank and blah 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 blah. This game kind of takes kind of like shaves down the experience to just the shooting, minimal platforming, and minimal variation of guns. Right. So, you know, you think about the best weapons from Ratchet and Clank in the series, and you think of oh, there's the pixelator from Ratchet and Clank. There's um, you know, there, there's, uh, there's the disc launcher, there's the, 
there's the Mr. Zircon, there's whatever. And there's really like there there are just some very basic weapons in in this game. They're 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 not super unique in a way like like you think about in other games from the past and the future of the series. Um it's it's just a very basic, straightforward, you know, you got you got dual wielding pistols, you got a shotgun, you have a sniper rifle, you have a rocket launcher, you have a grenade. You have, um, I mean, there is one that was like a mine that you could place that would go towards enemies. Um, and then you also had two robot helpers with you as well. So that they were also a little bit OP because they would just, I mean, you could upgrade them and they could just wail on enemies for you and you wouldn't have to do anything. The other thing that bugs me about the game, the platforming is, is bad. Like, there is no depth to the game. Like... You know, when you're, when you're playing a Russian Clank game, you have Clank on your back for the helicopter, for whatever moves that he might have. And in this game, there's just none of that. It's just, like, simple platforming, simple grind rail sections that that are not that fun to do. Um, and then you also think about, like, the, the various upgrades you can get in other games, like the mag boots and stuff like that. Well, you get the mag moose, but you literally use them, like, three times in the game. Or, you know, you don't even, you don't even have to turn screws with your wrench. You can uh, you can tell your robot partners to screw wrenches and plant and plant dynamite and, and hack terminals. You know, you don't have to do any of that yourself. Um, so it's kind of like Republic Commando in that way, where you command your troops around and you have to revive them when they go down. Um, but it also makes for a little bit more of a mundane experience. Like, even though I I think the game was fun, I think it was still very mundane in a lot of different ways. The only level that really had a lot of character to it was the last level with the with the ghost sec- sector. And that's kind of funny to say because there's like, there's like 11, 12 planets that you go to and all of them kind of run around the same. You know, none of them are really that different. Uh, and all the enemies are also the same. There's really no variation in the enemies. It's all robot enemies with a few maybe alienoid type ones running around and there it's not like it's not like a lot of fun to to blast the same enemies over and over and over and over and over again you know um and there's also like these vehicle driving sections some of the vehicles are fun some of them aren't i think the most fun vehicle was the um i think it was like the there's like a tank with a missile launcher on it and there was also the easiest one the the to use was the um this like spaceship that you flew around which was pretty cool the ones I didn't like, I mean, there was like a buggy that was that had a, that had a gun on it, and there was also like a, a a land speeder or a speeder bike type thing that was just like, un. Uh, it was just it was it was just so terrible. <laughs> the controls for it were just so bad. So would I say to go back and play this game? You know, in in the year twenty twenty two, would I say go back and play this game? It's a hidden gem. No, if you're playing through the entire Ratchet and Clank series. It's definitely one that you need to play because it is a big departure from the rest of the series. And it, and it was the way that Sony wanted to take the character, but I believe that this game flopped, uh, which made them go back to, which made them continue with the Ratchet and Clank future series that started on the PS3, with, uh, I believe with Tools of Destruction was the first one in that series. And that is one of my favorite Ratchet and Clank games of all time. So... You know, they, they definitely upped the ante and they went back to something that works, but they changed it up just enough to make it a really good series. I mean, I, I think that both of the future games that we've played so far, A Crack in Time and uh, Tools of Destruction, are, are are really great games. Haven't gotten around to playing into the Nexus yet, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll play all for one eventually, but I don't know if that's going to be a real fun time with only one person playing it, but what do you know? 
Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we play next, but, uh, as of right now, Ratchet Deadlocked, you know, it, it, it's, it's another one of those games that's kind of like mediocre. It's like, it could have been more, it was fun for what it was, but for what it was, it was also very light on content and variation. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll snugly fit in like a C tier. Um, right now we're playing through God of War where we, we're pretty, we're cruising through it and I am going for the hundred percent this time around. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how long that takes. That's, that's our, that's our new overarching game. And then, uh, between that right now we're playing, uh, we're going to be starting Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader. And we'll start that on Monday, which is probably going to be the day that you're listening to this podcast. Um, so we'll be starting that. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and we'll go from there. All right, let's move on to the next part of the podcast, which is what's in the news. All right, the first news of today is the Summer Game Fest has revealed 30 plus uh, developers and publishers who are going to be showing up to the Summer Game Fest a lineup, uh, I believe it's over a few days the Summer Game Fest is, which obvi- obviously about 30 plus with more to be announced soon, they said. Um, so with that many, it's probably going to be a couple days of just gaming stuff, gaming news and all that stuff. I'm excited for Summer Games Fest. I mean, last year I didn't really tune in because E3 was coming around and I knew that Summer Games Fest was going to be kind of pushed under the rug a little bit with a lot of developers, even though there were still big reveals like Skate 4 and stuff like that. I think this year is going to be a year to, to definitely tune into some of the more, uh, to, well, I guess I should say to your favorite developers and publishers, right? If you're a fan of Square Enix, they're going to be here, etc. So if you want to check out like something that they're cooking up, I think it would be a good idea to, to, to swing by this. Let me go through the list of, uh, of the studios, though. So we have 2K, Activision, Atlas, Bandai Namco, Blooper Team, Capcoms, Coffee Stain, Deep Silver, Devolver Digital... Digital Extremes, Dotemu, EA, Epic Games, Focus Entertainment, Frost Giant Games, Humble Bum, Humble Games, uh, Level Infinite, Mediatonic, Hi Ho Yo, PlayStation, Raw Fury, Samsung, <laughs> Samsung Gaming Hub, Sega, Square Enix, Skybound Games, Steam, Studio MDHR, uh, Tribeca Festival, Warner Bros., and Xbox. So just from this list, I'm going to guess Activision is going to come with, I don't know, Modern Warfare 2 news. Uh, Bandai Namco, uh, probably a few things from them are going to be coming around. Capcom, maybe they're going to show off some Street Fighter stuff. Deep Silver, uh, I don't remember exactly what they're working on right now. Uh are they the people I think focus focus entertainment is, is behind the evil West game. So I think maybe we'll see something for evil West here. Uh, media tonic is of course the fall guys. So maybe they'll show off something new from the, from the upcoming stuff. Uh, Warner bros. I'm guessing we'll see Gotham Knights and maybe we'll see when the game's going to officially drop as you're, if you don't recall, it was delayed recently. Sega, we might see Sonic Frontiers stuff, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, PlayStation, maybe, may, I, I doubt it, don't, don't get your hopes up, I doubt that we'll see any God of War Ragnarok, uh, but possibly, maybe, this will be when the state of play for God of War Ragnarok comes out, we'll see. Uh, Xbox, I mean, Xbox has a lot of stuff they could show off, so, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess we'll wait and see for all that, um, and, uh, I'll let you guys know 
when those dates... Oh, wait, here it is. Summer Games Fest is kicking off the 9th of June, so that's actually really soon. So if you want you want to stay around for that, uh, we'll see what's going to be announced. Uh, people are hoping for Resident Evil Village DLC still, uh, and of course, NAC 3. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes around in this, and I'll let you guys know any major things that you want to look out for. Bioware came out and said the Dread Wolf Rises. They're excited to reveal the official title for the next chapter in the Dragon Age story, which is going to be called Dragon Age Dread Wolf. Um, nothing else was shown off. No gameplay, nothing like that. It was just a still image. I think there was like music behind it, um, but there was a still image. Uh, it was like a purple circle with the Dragon Age Dread Wolf in the middle. It kind of had like an 80s aesthetic to it, a synthwave aesthetic to it. Uh, but they said that the game won't be launching in 2022, uh, but they are growing ever closer to their next adventure. Uh, the blog post expanded a little bit, saying, Some say he might be an ancient elven god, but some say not. Others say a betrayer of his people, or a savior who now seeks to rescue them at the cost of your world. His motives are inscrutable, and his methods sometimes questionable, earning him a reputation as something of a trickster deity, a player of dark and dangerous games. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out that, it's on Bioware's Twitter account. Like I said, there's nothing really interesting to see on there, but I bless, I'm, I'm guessing if you're a fan of Dragon Age, you're going to want to read the blog post about it, because maybe it'll give you a little bit of lore or something behind what's going on. As I mentioned earlier, Sonic Frontiers, I was going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, there was a new Sonic Frontiers gameplay, world open world demo, and uh, there was also a um <clears throat> a video for like the combat in the game as well i i, I look <clears throat> i'm going to try and not judge this too harshly but it's kind of hard not to when you know they release all this information on IGN 1 and 2 it seems to be just like IGN playing around with the game and going through the open world it's almost like they were going for that Kirby Forbidden West aesthetic where it's like a lot of, you know, decaying and ancient structures with kind of like a colorful, vibrant character. The only problem is, is that the art style kind of met, uh, 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 worked together in Kirby Forbidden Land, not Forbidden West, Forbidden Land um, or Forgotten Land. Oh, my gosh, I am fucking this up anyway. Sonic Frontiers seems to be taking that idea, but they're not fully implementing it. I mean, Sonic's walking around in this in this land that kind of is, I wouldn't say realistic, but it's realism, you know? And it, he just kind of looks out of place. You know, the rings and the, there's like blue coins or something like that in the areas too. They're just kind of like stand, they're just kind of sitting there rotating. They just, they don't blend in with the environment like they did in Kirby. You know, when you, when you pick up a coin in Kirby, it kind of looks like the aesthetic you know, from the game, you know, it doesn't look like a Sonic thing modded into a, a, a realistic game, you know what I'm saying? Um, the open world does look interesting, though. I mean, when you're just looking at the open world itself, I mean, there's lots of uh, grind rails, I guess you could call them, lots of different, well, like, things in the air, and if you just look up, like, you'll, you'll see, like, maybe starts of levels or starts of platforming challenges to do kind of like uh, Bowser's Fury in a way where you just kind of see those platforms in the distance and you know like oh there's you know there's 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 a loop there so I'll be going there eventually or there's a platform there there's probably something up there you know um like so I, I guess I, I guess I would say that the open world looks uh, looks better than what the combat looked like which I'll get to in a second um, you know, I think the open world, I mean, even though it's it's a little bit flat in areas that they showed, there is a good amount of 
stuff to do, it seems, you know, with, with like all these different structures kind of working together with the landscape. Um, I'm interested to see more of the open world, of course, but we, you know, we, we might not even get more open world gameplay footage, you know? Um, but yeah, for right now, I mean, you know, it looks fine. The open world looks fine. I mean, it, it might, it just, to a lot of people, it probably looks a little bit barren. And to me personally, even though there does seem to be a good amount of things kind of just like, you know, placed in the environment without much thought, uh, it, it does look like the game is, um, it does look like it's, 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 I don't know. It does look like the open world is kind of, kind of like akin to like a Breath of the Wild or something like that, you know? So, yeah, if you want to check out any of these two trailers that I'm talking about, they're on IGN's YouTube channel for some reason. So, let's talk about the combat. Uh, the combat looks really weird. Um, it seems like the enemies have way too much health for the moves that Sonic is doing. Like, he has this rapid kick ability, and essentially, like, the, the enemy was, like, just kind of, like, sitting there ready to attack again after he did, like, this big slow-mo kind of move. And I was like, oh, that's probably the end of the boss. But then, or not boss, but enemy. But then he kind of went and started punching and, and stuff to the, the enemy again. And it took another like minute or so for the enemy to die. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I mean, there's not many enemies in the world, as you can see in the, uh, the open world gameplay. There's doesn't seem to be too many placed around, but the enemies that you do find seem to be more than just like a simple one hit kind of enemy, you know, like in the Son I mean, most Sonic games, you have like an enemy in your way and whether it be a robot, a ladybug or whatever. And, you know, you just do, like, your spin attack at them and they die in one hit, whereas in this game, it seems like it's just, like, you're pounding away at them for minutes on end without them dying, and that's just kind of weird to me, you know? I don't know, maybe that's just me kind of being, like, a non-Sonic fan, but enjoying his old games when I was a kid. Not his old, old games, it's, like, GameCube era and Wii era, not, not Wii, GameCube era games are the ones that I played the most, though. Um, I, I, there was, like, that one game, um, the... What was it on the Wii? It was like kind of. Rem I think it was reminiscent of like dreams or something. I don't remember. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, combat looks iffy. Open world looks fine. Um, I'm I'm hoping to see an improvement in the next uh, video that they release, just because it does look a little bit rough. It does kind of look like a fan made kind of like. It just kind of looks. It kind of has that vibe of a fan made game. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, they showed off that there is like a new move where you can circle around something and. You can, like, damage an enemy or pop an enemy into the air. I believe it also... There's also some puzzles you solve with doing that as well. Um, but, yeah, other than that, not much else shown off. And I'll let you guys know if there's anything new that comes out for this game. But as of right now, not impressed, but still in interested, I should say. Because the formula change for Kirby did so well for that. You know, I'm hoping that it works for Sonic too. but, you know, who knows? Who knows at this point? All right, Don't Nod Entertainment has been rebranded to Don't Nod. Um, this time, instead of it all being one word without the uh, apostrophe, it's now Don't with an apostrophe and Nod. So if you were expecting something crazy different, um, not exactly what you're getting, but it is a nice... I mean, I, I would say that this fits the brand more, Don't Nod, instead of it being D-O-N-T-N-O-D without any punctuation. It actually makes sense now. Um, but, uh, this is the studio that brings you, like, Life is Strange, Vampire. They've been around for about 15 years. Uh, with their anniversary p just passing, they decided to change their branding a little bit. Obviously, it's not that big of a shift, but, uh, they came out in a, kind of like a tweet, I think, or in a blog post and said, um, 
Oscar Gil- Gil- Gilbert, the CEO, said, I am very proud of the journey that Don't Nod has been on over the past 14 years. The company has evolved in many ways with a strong will to lead the the way in creating and publishing meaningful entertainment through original and relatable stories, which empower our talents and players to inspire change, however small. The new brand's visual, visual overhaul will help us convey our core identity. So there you go. They also announced that they are working on six games in development right now. Uh, probably half of them are Life is Strange titles. Um, but yeah, you know, a nice little branding change for them. Super Bomberman R Online is going to be going offline in December. Uh, Super Bomberman R came out back in 2021 in May, and apparently it was just not popular enough, uh, so they're going to be shutting down the servers, but the game will still be available to download, I believe, for free. Uh, They're just dropping the online version of the game, so it's just going to be called Super Bomberman R for now on. Um, the blog post that they talked about this in said, due to various circumstances, they're going to be shutting down the servers. Uh, they are claiming that the franchise is still moving forward with new projects, uh, which Konami hopes to inform us about in the near future. Thank you for your continued support of the Bomberman series. Uh, so, yes. Um, also, don't confuse this with Super Bomberman R. Uh, this is a free-to-play version that used to support up to 64 players, so you can still play this up until December 1st, 2022. So if you want to try it out before the servers become completely offline, which I don't know how many people are actually playing it, but maybe there will be a, a bit of an influx knowing that the game is going to be taken offline. Um, you know, maybe you want to try it out before that, but, you know, yeah, that's up to you. There is going to be a limited run showcase in June. This could be during the Summer Games Fest, but it wasn't announced for that. Uh, this is going to be taking place on June 6th, so it's actually the same day that the beginning of the Summer Games Festival starts. So it's possible that it is part of that, but it also could just be its own thing. They're calling this the Mega 64 announcement. There are going to be over 30 trailers and game announcements inside the Limited Run 3, the L, the LR3 uh, Mega 64 Direct, or whatever they're calling it, Showcase. Um, so there's going to be both physical and digital reveals uh, all in one place. So, you know, uh, we'll see what they have to announce. Uh, also, along with this announcement of their little show they're going to be doing, they came out with a post saying, Cowabunga! Kick the shell with the boys and a bodacious beat em up on PS4, Switch, and Xbox. Our release of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is coming to uh, limited run games and major retailers this year. Tune in to the show Limited Run Games 3 uh, on 6.6 for the Collector's Edition reveal. So they kind of just showed off that they're going to be doing the physical version of this game. There's going to be a reversible color cover that'll come with six sprite stickers and an art booklet. Um, that's just the regular version. So we'll see what the collector's version has in store when June 6 comes around. All right, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is what's coming soon. Okay, uh, if you did not know, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet got a new trailer this past week on the official Pokemon YouTube channel. Uh, This was pretty much just showing the new characters, how the two different versions are going to be a little bit different. Uh, and also, they showed off the two, what are they called? 
uh, Mega Pokemon or whatever they're called. The Legendaries. Duh. Legendaries. Duh. Uh, anyway, um, so the trailer showed off that the two versions of the game are going to have two different color schemes. One's purple, one's orange. Uh, the orange or the violet, I should say. Fuck me. Violet and fucking scarlet. Stupid. Scarlet version is going to have uh, the female professor. I believe her name is Seda. And then the purple version, violet version is going to have the male professor called Turo. Is that what his name was? Yeah, Turo. Professor Turo. Uh, Two different professors for the first time in a Pokemon game. So that's kind of interesting there. Also, of course, you have your, um, what what do they call? Your adversary, your, your, holy shit, I am blanking on my vocabulary right now. Your uh your your new Gary Oak, let's call it that. Uh yet your new your new person you're fighting against throughout the whole game. Um they revealed that she is gonna be in the game. They also showed off a few new Pokemon that are coming to the game, including uh the newly memed LeChonk, uh which people are more excited about than any of the other new Pokemon that they showed off. It seems like there's still gonna be like a little bit of a Pokemon Arceus kind of open world where you, you can roam around and, and find Pokemon. Um, it also seems like they might be doing a similar style for the battling, although they didn't show any of the battling. So I'm wondering if they are going to be going back to the normal turn-based battling without you being, um, you know, without it being in the Arceus style, which a lot of people are hoping that they do have the Arceus style back, uh, because that was actually a very new and different change of pace for the series. And that was very welcomed to a lot of people in the Pokemon world. The two new uh, legendaries for each one. So Scarlet is getting a a kind of like a motorcycle looking kind of guy. I believe he's called Coradon. Coradon. And then the other Pokemon legendary kind of looks like a fighter jet in a lot of ways. Um, he and that one's called Miradon. Miradon. Um, so if you want to check out their artwork, you know, obviously it's on the Pokemon's website. Um, so yeah, uh, there you go. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, they also reveal that the game is going to be coming out in November on the 18th of November. Uh, I believe you can pre-order the game now. All right. Another year, another Madden Madden 23 is celebrating the life and legacy of John Madden. The name that the, the person that the game is named, uh, uh oh my, uh, the, per- the person that the game is named for. Uh, there's going to be three different versions of the game. One of them is going to be the All Madden Edition, which has John Madden, uh, the young John Madden, going through like a, a a paper wall. Another version of the game is going to have uh, the legendary Raiders John Madden. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. They're, sh- they're showing that. And then the final version, which I believe is the regular version of the game, is is going to have the broadcaster John Madden. Um, all three versions will, of course, have different perks and stuff with them. Uh, there isn't much uh, right now as to like the details of the different versions. I'm guessing some of them are going to come with, with the card packs and stuff like that, all that crap. And they did reveal that this game is coming to all platforms, including Steam, this time around. So you won't have to work with... Well, I think you still need to use the EA launcher, but you can ha- buy it on Steam at least. Um, but in a blog post, they explained that coaches, Coach Madden's football philosophies and expectations on the field have always grounded the Madden NFL development team as they represent what fans truly want from the best 11v11 simulation football experience. When Madden 23 launches after this summer, the first 
interactive experience will also feature two versions of Coach Madden leading opposing teams of all Madden athletes facing off in the 1970s Oakland Coliseum. In addition, the unforgettable voice of Coach Madden returns during the game in remastered audio clips that call back to his legendary days as a broadcaster. In addition, EA Sports has provided an update on the $5 million charitable pledge to the John Madden Legacy Commitment to Education. They will be uh, co- they will commit $2.5 million of the John Madden Legacy Commitment to Education to support programming over the next five years for the following four nonprofit associations focused on science, technology, engineering, art, and math. So there you go. Um, so when I was growing up with Madden, you know, John Madden was, was an announcer in the game, I believe, right? Uh, Madden 04, I believe, was the one I played the most when I was a kid. I believe John Madden was an announcer in that game. I, I could be wrong, though. You know, Madden's been in my life for a long time, and recently Madden has really took a, sh- uh, a nosedive in in quality. And it seems like with this cover for Madden, they're trying to harken back to that original kind of maybe nostalgia for the Madden franchise. Um, the only problem is is that with all these updates that they've done to Madden, bringing back things that they, of course, left out of of of, of past games and stuff like that. It's hard for me to say, like, oh, this is going to be the Madden that brings it all back. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess that there's still going to be some a lot of those problems that you have with any other Madden game, where it's like, okay, it's a lot of reused assets, they forget to update things, the physics are broken, you know, whatever, you know. Um, on that same point, they've also announced that there's going to be a new Field Sense uh, on the PS5 and Xbox Series X versions, which will touch down in, on August 19th. Uh, essentially, this is going to make the, quote-unquote, make the game feel more like an actual game with surprises and tackles and blah, 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 blah. Here's my problem, okay, with, with, uh, with Madden Field Sense. This is just animations, this is once again the problem that I had with the last game where it's like, okay, you're playing the game and there's an outcome that will just have a random animation play. And if that animation plays, it's just your, it's just that person's game. No matter what you do on the opposite side of the ball, you know, the person will catch it with one hand or something like that. You know, no matter where you are in the field, no matter what's happening, there's a huge problem here because every year Madden does this where they go, this is the new Madden. This is this. We, we've updated everything. It's all going to be so good. There's new technology and mechanics and blah, 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 blah. And then, and then it's just like, okay, you press X the spin and it tells you when to press X or, you know, you have more of a chance of, of getting out of a tackle. If you press this button at the right time when they show it on screen, or, you know, this animation is going to play if, if, if the person's going to catch the ball in a weird way, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, I don't, I don't have too much faith in Madden at this point, so it's really hard for me to get even a little bit excited for this. Will I be getting the game? That's the big question that's on y'all's mind right now. I'm buying the game for Player 2 because he won our uh, Discord competition last year uh, based around picking games, right? He wants to play it with me, and I've I've told him I wasn't planning on buying it, but if you really, really want to play it, I will pick it up. So yes, I will be getting this year's Madden Two times. <laughs> um, I'll be accepting donations. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, so not super excited about Madden, but, I mean, I'm, all, I'm a huge NFL fan. I mean, the NFL is really the one 
uh, one sport that I follow. I mean, I, I, I enjoy watching a little bit of basketball or baseball here and there, but I'm not going to like go out of my way to, you know, watch those types of things. But with, 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 with NFL, I mean, every, every week, every weekend I'm, I'm watching games every Thursday and, and, uh, Friday, Thursday and Monday I'm watching those games. So it's, you know, I wish that Madden was better because I really do love football and a lot of people love football. I mean, it's one of the biggest sports in the world, right? But it's hard to be super excited when, you know, the past like five years of Madden have just gone into the shitter, really. I mean, they've tried their hardest to bring back some some mechanics and try and make the game better, but it's just nothing's been working right now. Even though the graphics might be better and maybe there's like more fluid animation, but until I actually get my hands on it and feel and and try and and see what's different, I, I I'm not I don't have too much faith. But you know, whatever. All right, a game called Steve Jackson's Sorcery is coming to Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation on uh, June twenty third. Uh, this is a game that is kind of like, it's kind of procedurally narr- generated, but it's got like some sort of story behind it. Um, in a world of traps and magic, you're going to be going along in this kind of like pencil art kind of look style to it. They're calling this the complete collection, so I'm not sure exactly what this is. Um, it was originally released on mobile devices. It's a four-part adventure game in which you which your every decision has ramifications that you may not even discover for hours. From the game's beginning in the Shamutani Hills to the convoluted time-loopness of the final chapter, The Crown of Kings, there are tons of choices to make, regret, and redos. Uh, This comes from the same studio as 80 Days, Heaven's Vault, and Overboard. The full full script contains over a million words and several inkle tricks. Procedurally self-narrating strategic combat conversational gambling characters who lie like all the time who lie like all the time so many time loops so many payoffs a powerful ally you can kill every early on without realizing two open worlds uh split across time you can freely remix we still weep this will be available on june 23rd for 25 dollars Seems really interesting. I mean, combat that narrates itself uh, completely. I mean, sounds like it's going to be a really interesting game. If you want to check that out, like I said, uh, it's coming out on the 23rd of June, or you can check it out on the No Gravity Games YouTube channel. Destroy All Humans 2 Remake is coming uh, to PS5 and Xbox Series X and PC this August. Uh, they want to make sure you know this. There is no PS4 or Xbox One version of the game available. There will only be next-gen versions of the game, which is really weird in my opinion. And the base version of the game is going to be $40. Uh, if you want the uh, dressed-to-skill version, it's going to be $60. Uh, you can pre-order those now if you want to. A faithful remake of the most acclaimed entry in the fan-favorite Destroy All Humans franchise. Um... Bay City, Abalon, Takoshima, Tunguska, and the Moon are the five locations you get to explore in the remade sequel set in the 1960s. If you pre-order the game, you'll get immediate access to the new Clone Carnage multiplayer DLC for the first time in Destroy All Humans Remake. Uh, it's It's a standalone mode, so you don't need to worry about owning the original game in order to play. Coughing up the extra cash for Dress the Skill Edition will give you a skin pack 
and the Challenge Accepted DLC when it releases at the end of the year. There is also a $400 physical collector's editions, but its contents have not been shared yet. Uh, in a press release, they said players will experience the swinging 60s in all its glory and deal with hippies, the KGB, and many other threats. To roam quickly around the large areas, Crypto can use his jetpack, his hoverboard, and of course his flying saucer, equipped with a neat little arsenal of destruction of its own. The saucer received an interesting update. Abducting humans in certain numbers will unlock new skills. Okay, there you go. So if you want to check that out, there's a trailer now on THQ Nordic's YouTube channel, and it's going to be released on the 30th of August. All right, Train Sim World 2 is getting some new DLC, the 1950s Steam Engine DLC. This is a first for the Train Simulator series, having steam engines and stuff like that, locomotives, come into the game. Uh, you'll be driving high-powered modern... Uh, I'm sorry. You'll be driving high-powered steam trains through... Uh, a uniquely made environment. Uh, the add-on will take players back to the 1950s on the historic line between Liverpool and Crewe. Uh, immersed in the middle of a of the British Railway's steam era, take control of the famous LMS Jubilee-class locomotive. Resplendent in nostalgic British Brunswick green livery, livery adorned with BR's late crest. You'll also be able to commandeer the LMS Stainer 8F class locomotive with the rugged BR late black white guys and 280 wheel configuration better suited for hauling lower speed heavy freight trains. These being steam trains, you'll have a lot to learn. Master the art of steam simulation. The firebox and broiler create the ultimate balancing act to keep these machines alive and powerful. Take on the challenge of 1950s with no modern comforts, comforts to rely on and the safety the safety system is your wit. Learn the, the finesse and rhythm of each locomotive to determine your speed and timetable. Um, like I said, this is going to be a fresh, <clears throat> kind of like railway, 36-mile route, which is historically accurate. So if you want to try that out, it's going to be available uh, out now. It's out now, right now, if you want to drive those locomotives. Tell me why is totally free to claim on Xbox through June 2022 for Pride Month. I believe it's also free on PlayStation and Steam. Uh, it was free before on Steam, so I'm guessing it's it's free again. Um, but if you want to check out Tell Me Why, this is the first uh, game from the studio, Don't Nod, to feature a trans character. Uh, you'll be able to get it from today until June 30th. You can claim the game for free. Uh, back in 2022, Xbox's general manager publishing had very positive things to say about Tell Me Why. I watched a playthrough of the game, though, and a lot of people are kind of uh, mixed on the adventure. If you want to try it out yourself, it's free to, to download right now. PlayStation Plus revealed their free games for June, which you'll be able to start downloading and playing on the 7th of June. First up is God of War from 2018. You'll be able to play that um, and claim that game all through the month. The PS5 game of the month is Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. And then also you can play a game called Naruto to Bro Boruto Shinobi Striker. Uh, all three games will be available to download on June 7th. Uh, God of War has been kind of debated over the past few days because the game is already available on multiple services, including the PlayStation Plus Collection and the now-defunct PlayStation Now service, and it's going to be available in the new version of PlayStation Premium as well. So, 
very strange that they're giving us God of War now instead of like, I don't know, a year ago. Uh, this could also just be like, hey, we're trying to drum some hype for the next God of War Ragnarok reveal, and that might work, but it also maybe could backfire seen as, you know, the game is already available in so many places, and I think most people who have wanted to play the game have already played it, whether it be because they bought it on sale, on Steam, or through the PlayStation Plus programs. So anyway, those are your three games for this year. Uh, I'm sorry, this month. Not too sure about the Naruto game. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Not as good as any Smash clone, but fun, I guess. A lot of fun characters in there. All right, here are some games coming to Xbox Game Pass between the 1st of June and the 7th of June. So some of these are available to download now. You can download For Honor Marching Fire Edition, Ninja Gaiden Master Collection. Uh, both of those are available now. On June 7th, you'll be able to download the Assassin's Creed Origins game, Chorus, Disc Room, and Space Lines from the Far Out. And all those are going to be available on console and PC. Um, Assassin's Creed Origins just got the 60 FPS update for the game for next-gen consoles. And the Xbox Game Pass version will be the deluxe version, which will include... Uh, upgrade your game experience with a deluxe pack as you discover the origins of Assassin's Brotherhood. The, de the deluxe pass includes the Ambush at Sea mission, the Desert Cobra pack, including one outfit, two legendary weapons, one legendary sealed, and one mount, and three ability points. So if you want to try that out, it'll be available on the 7th of June, and like I said, it just got the next-gen 60fps update, so it also run, or look, pretty smooth. Um, other than that, Chorus, one of my favorite games from last year, definitely worth trying that out. Disc Room, another really good game uh, that was on my top 10 list the year it came out. Uh, really enjoyed that. Really great soundtrack. For Honor, I loved that game back in the day. Can't really get back into it now, especially because it's locked on that Ubisoft uh, launcher. Ninja Gaiden Master Collection, I've never really played the Ninja Gaiden game, so maybe I'll try it out eventually, but I just have too much to play right now. And I have no clue what sp uh, Space Lines from the Far Out is. Mm, looks like it's kind of like a party game, maybe? Yeah. All right, finally for today, the Xbox games for Gold for June have been announced. And I believe you can download the first one right now. Uh, it's called Al Avon Colony, which is a game where you build a, a new home for humanity. So it seems like it's like a RTS kind of game. Project High-Rise Architect Edition will be available between the 16th of June and July 15th. Uh, this is like a, another kind of management game. Uh, you develop like a skyscraper or something like that. Super Meat Boy is available right now until the 15th of June. As If you don't know what Super Meat Boy is, I feel sorry for you. No, <laughs> uh, it's just a hardcore platforming game where you try and save your meat. And then also a game called Raz Skulls is available on the thir on the 16th of June until the 30th of June. It looks like a mobile game ported to the Xbox. Uh, three chapters over 60 levels. There you go. So if you want to try those out, you can try those out right now with Games with Gold. Alrighty, well I appreciate you listening to this episode of Fair 64. Once again, big thanks to Just Callus for joining me on this episode to talk about the state of play which I f we did forget to go over our final thoughts, but I do think that it was a really great show. Uh, probably like a 8.5 out of 10 for me. Uh, very, very good show. Anyway, thank you so much once again. I am Yummy the Ferret, and I will talk at you guys next week. If you want to check me out, I stream on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. 
um, all those days on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Amy the Ferret. I also have two other podcasts, Film Freaks with a Z and Fubar Ferret, if you want to check those out. And I also have all different social medias at Yummy the Ferret. If you want to join me on my Discord, links are in all my social media accounts. All right, y'all. I'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.